Hey, everybody. Welcome to Weighing In with Andy Hamilton and David Mirkatani. I'm Andy Hamilton coming to you from the National Wrestling Hall of Fame Dan Gable Museum in Waterloo, Iowa. Joined on the phone from St. Louis by David Mirkatani. Jason Bryant tells me that this is episode 38, David, that uh, we've been doing this. So we, we think we've probably done three now with, with the title weighing in. But uh, we're on number 38. How is everything in St. Louis today? 38. That's good, man. I'm, that's impressive. Everything's good here. I didn't know how many it had been. I was going to go back and try to count, so that's nice to know. Everything good down south? Everything's good. Had a couple really cool people on, on that chat, and uh, I'm sure we can talk about that at the end. But um, it was, it's been really fun, and, you know, the summer is kind of, you know, fun time to kind of play with this stuff because in season that we're going to go back to the assistant coaches and, and not that that's not great, but it's kind of interesting to be able to do some, you know, some more out of the box stuff. So everybody's been very gracious and it's been a lot of fun. Well, while we were talking about it to who's up next, who you got on the, uh, the docket for Matt chat in the coming week. We are, we, I literally just interviewed yesterday and today, Rich Bender, the executive director of USA wrestling and Cody Sanderson from Penn State. So those were both. Bender might be the best storyteller in the business, and Penn State's doing pretty well at wrestling right now. So people yeah, find not bad. Here. Yeah, <laughs> I think they'll be okay next year too, right? <laughs> so, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, they got a decent squad coming back. Right. Um, and, you know, very different personality guys, but both really quality people, both very gracious with their time. And, um, you know, Cody's a very deep, deep thinker, and, and, you know, Bender's been at the highest levels of wrestling, you know, saving the Olympic, you know, helping with saving the Olympic movement, getting women's wrestling involved in, in the Olympic and world championship levels, and it's their perspectives on, on the questions I asked them is, was very, very interesting to me. Well, we got a ton of stuff to, to get to today. Uh, it seems like, you know, we're in the slow time of year for, for wrestling, and yet week after week after week we've got, you know, a, a dozen things that we could talk about here. Uh, obviously, the, the huge news in Iowa yesterday was uh, Mark Perry, uh, the, the news that broke there on, on Mark returning back to Iowa City uh, after five years in Champaign and, and uh, two at Cal Poly and one at Penn State. Uh, Also beat the streets coming up this week. Last chance qualifier, Northern Plains and Central Regional Tournaments will be on track wrestling this weekend. Alex Chirpelli out at Penn. Nick Heflin in as an assistant at Oklahoma. Chris McCotty and Daryl Thomas to Old Dominion. Uh, On the recruiting front, Tate Orndorff landing at Utah Valley. And then uh, Pat Downey. Where is Pat Downey going to land? Is he going to wind up at Rutgers? David, where do you want to kick this show off? You know, you're the pilot. I always feel like I'm the co-pilot, so wherever you want to start. I saw you interviewed Mark, so, I mean, if you want to start there, we can. You know, whatever you think is best, Andy. Well, let's do it. Let's do it. I mean, obviously, huge news in the state of Iowa. Uh, From an outsider standpoint, uh, what what kind of ripples do you think that this is making nationally? It feels like... It feels like it's like the arms race, right? Like, you know, Penn State's doing what they're doing. Ohio State goes and gets Dayton Racer and Keyshawn Campbell to make a push. And then Iowa responds by, you know, recruiting who they've recruited and going to get Mark. 
know, Oklahoma State's still really solid. And, you know, I mean, just it feels like those teams are doing everything they can to separate themselves not only from the pack but to close in on Penn State. And Yeah, I think – No, go ahead. No, 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 go ahead. Continue your point. And, you know, Mark is a very you – know, I know you and him are very close friends – you know, I have a relationship with that family as well, and he's a very unique thinker um, and certainly, I think, thinks about the sport differently than Tom and Terry do, and I think that could really help. I mean, he certainly um, has, has had success in recruiting in different parts of the country, specifically California, that Iowa traditionally has not had a lot of success in. Uh I mean, I think clearly we'll talk about who comes with Mark. And I think probably people that knew much about wrestling kind of knew that, you know, Mark's relationships at, at, with the, at Illinois were less than ideal. So, um, it, you know, I feel like this is where, you know, this was a move that made a lot of sense on a lot of levels and will be really It'll be interesting to see because, I mean, I know he's the Hawkeye Wrestling Club coach, but, you know, he, it's not like he's not going to be in the room with, with the University of Iowa guys. So his style of wrestling, and I think even his style of coaching, is very different from those other guys. So it'll be interesting to see how all that gets integrated. I mean, you talked to him. What, what were your impressions of, of it really from his point of view after you spoke to him? Well, let's uh, let's start at the beginning with uh, you know the point that you made where where you know you know obviously he wasn't happy at Illinois and and I think uh, you know I've heard a lot of people say that you know Mark Perry just wants to be a head coach and and I think there's a little bit of a misnomer there I think uh, uh, more than anything Mark Perry wants to be in the thick of a national title race and, and he wants to be a part, he wants he wants to be part of a program that's all in and fully invested in in challenging for championships and that's first and foremost and you know the, the fact of the matter is he could have been a head coach by now i mean he was he was the co-head coach at cal poly he he could have stayed there and been a you know been the head coach you know he'd be on on going into year 7 i think or you know of of being the head coach there if he had stayed but uh uh, you know, looking looking at where he was in in 2011 and feeling like uh, you know back then that uh, you know programs were were, were at at the time threatening um, you know other schools that he was recruiting against were saying why would you want to go to Cal Poly they're going to drop the program because you know other programs in in California were in danger at the time or had just dropped and and they used that against him at, in recruiting and and they weren't fully funded and so uh i think he looked at it like uh you know i'm never going to be able to accomplish the things that i want to accomplish here in terms of challenging for national titles and and so that's why he made the jump to illinois now at illinois uh you know you've seen one by one here in the last few years chase pammy gone boris Novotkov gone when Mahalik gone, suddenly the the uh, post grad uh, fleet in Champaign has dried up, and and we talked about it a couple times uh, since the end of the national national tournament. That that look at look at who's um, look at who Vincenzo Joseph is getting to roll around with in, in State College Pennsylvania versus who Isaiah Martinez is rolling around with in Champaign, and and. Uh, 
boy, it's it's not even close in terms of a comparison there. I mean, there's just not a lot of training partners, and for whatever reason, the the uh, post grad club in Champaign is has dried up, and and that's um, you know where where Mark has really zeroed in on is studying Iranian, studying Russians. Uh, you know, studying international technique and the best guys in the world. And, and I think that that's, you know, truth be told, I think that's the kind of stuff that he's into more than anything. And and so this gives him an opportunity to go and train elite level athletes, to go out and recruit elite level athletes, to go out and, you know, raise funds for the Hawkeye Wrestling Club. Uh, to, to be able to bring those guys into Iowa City to train and, and coach those guys at the highest level. Now, the other thing I would say, too, is just because he's coming in now as the Hawkeye Wrestling Club coach doesn't mean that these roles are going to be set in stone and this is the way it's going to be forever because, it, you know, as you mentioned, he's a premier recruiter, not just in California, but he's got connections out east. He went to Blair Academy. Sure. If you right, remember, right. he he, yeah. he was he was the guy that recruited Ed Roos to State College. He recruited that's Ed right. Roos to Penn State well, way back then. Well, I actually then. know that firsthand about that, but, yeah, for sure that's true, right? Yep, yep. and so uh, uh, from that standpoint, I, I, I think, uh, you know, and sort of the, the philosophy that Tom Brands has used uh, in, in recruiting uh, is we're going to get the best guys. That's been his MO. We're going to try to get recruit the best guys, and uh, we'll let them figure out which weights they're going to go. We're going to get the best guys into the lineup. And so to me, that's kind of what, what this feels like a little bit, that uh, he's going to get the best guys he possibly can, and then they're going to figure out the roles maybe down the line. And uh, uh, for right now, he's going to be heading up the Hawkeye Wrestling Club. And uh, I, I think it's I think it's a tremendous gift for Iowa from the standpoint that you add a uh, another set of diverse skills into that room. Right. I remember one year when I was at Merrimack, we recruited the number one and number two guys in the country at the same weight. And, you know, my dad goes, what are we going to do with them? I'm like, one of them is going to move up a little bit. One of them is going to move down a little bit. And they're both going to win nationals. And that's exactly what happened. So, yeah, everything you said about Mark is dead on. And probably the most salient point to people that maybe don't know Mark like you do or even I do is that dude wants to win. And I think, I think clearly he would rather be at a place where he's not the head coach that can win than be the head coach at a place that he doesn't feel like he can win or compete at the highest level. So it's a, it's a very interesting experiment. I think the upside of it is really huge. And I guess we probably need to talk about the elephant in the room about that is, does Imar, does Mejia, do any of those guys come with him? You know I mean? You know, if, if Imar graduates, the rules are normally Big Ten and Big Ten, you have to sit out a year. But if he graduates, that nullifies that rule, correct? That's my understanding. Uh, going back uh, a couple of years in, in football, uh, Jake Rudock was the starting quarterback in Iowa, lost his his job to C.J. Beathard, and, and uh, he grad transferred to Michigan. So I, I, I don't know if uh, – you know, in terms of releases, what has to happen there? If he, if he, you know, Big Ten to Big Ten still need the release or not, uh, or if he's 100% a, uh, a free agent after graduation. But, you know, we talked about it uh, probably three weeks ago 
uh, the interview that, that I did with Isaiah Martinez down in, in uh, Pleasant Hill, Iowa. He was down at Southeast Polk High School Southeast for yeah. a, right. a camp down there. And uh, I get the chance to talk to him down there. And one of the things, when he said it then, it, it set off uh, uh, an alarm in my mind talking about <laughs> uh, priorities. And he brought up graduation. He, he brought up graduation then. And, and just, you know, for, for a fourth-year junior to be talking about graduation being uh, of, of the utmost importance, like, in the immediate future was, was pretty interesting to me. I mean, because – I don't know. I, I, I would guess if you have Zane Rutherford, what he's doing right now, what the highest priority on, on his list is, uh, he, you know, I would venture to guess he might be talking about making the world team. I, right. I don't know that for a fact, but uh, but to hear a guy talk about graduation first and then, you know, last chance qualifier, yeah. um, you know, going out to Lincoln and wrestling the world team trials, uh, you know, it, it was interesting to hear hear graduation. Uh, be, but be that said, statement uh, makes so much more sense now, right? I mean, you yeah. hear that statement, it's like, oh, well, maybe these guys have had a talk. So I, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. It, it could, could very well be. It could be strictly coincidence, but uh, you do know this. I mean, you, you sure look at, uh, you know, if, if, uh, if Mark isn't in that room and he's been absolutely instrumental to, to Isaiah's uh, development, he's the guy that recruited Isaiah, um, super close relationship there. If if he's not in Champaign next year, you know, who's there to make uh, Isaiah Martinez get back to where he was the previous two years? Who's, who's there to help him uh, challenge for another national title to finish his career as a three-time NCAA champ? Yeah. Well, the interesting thing, well, one of the interesting things is if he does go to Iowa, how do they get all those guys in the lineup? You know, because I don't think Sorensen can get to 41. And, you know, so if he stays at 49 and Kemmerer stays at 57 and Marinelli's at 65 and Caleb Young's at 74 and Cash Wilkie goes to 84, one of those guys is out. I mean, there's just, you know, there's not enough, there's not enough spots. Yeah, yeah you know, not any rules, right? That's right. Yeah, Nick, Nick Mitchell's got a spot for Imar right now. So, <laughs> um, and probably about 70 of the other Division One schools in the country have an easy spot yeah. for him right now as well. So it, that'll be very interesting to see how it plays out. And, you know, sort of the same thing with Mejia. You know, I mean, they don't have to release him, but he could also just defer enrollment and, you know, go back in, you know, and just sit out this year and go to OTC or all that kind of stuff. So. You know, and and I, I don't know what you've talked to him about. I don't have anything, you know, firm. It's just speculation. I'm just saying there's there's some options there. And where Isaiah Martinez wrestles next year has a dramatic impact on at least the preseason and eventually the you know the team scores. I mean, if he scores, even if he took second and scores 20 points, you subtract 20 from Illinois and add 20 to somewhere else. That's a gigantic swing. So, yeah. yep. you know, yep. very, very interesting. Yeah, and, so. and uh, some of this is premature, too. I mean, he's he's uh, obviously got to take care of uh, the, the obligations there in the classroom to even make any of this possible. And, and, and who knows? I mean, we, we talk about guys jumping around and stuff. And, um, you know, one thing is, too, that these guys are, are college students and, and they've got friends, you know, you know, they've 
he spent four years of his life already in, in Champaign. He's got friends there. He's, um, you know, anchored in the community, I'm sure. And uh, th- there's a little more to it than just wrestling. Now, from a wrestling standpoint, uh, yeah, I mean, the, the guy that is, has been absolutely instrumental uh, to his development is, isn't there anymore. And, and what does that mean? Does that mean that, uh, uh, you know, potentially could we see him in the Hawkeye Wrestling Club a year from now uh, after it's all over? I think that, uh, you know, if Isaiah has aspirations of, uh, uh, you know, continuing his career beyond college, uh, world, you know, challenging for world and Olympic championships, uh, that uh, I think there's a, a very good possibility he'll wind up in Iowa City, but uh, who knows? There are going to be a lot of people that uh, are, are after him, and we've seen, as you mentioned at the top, uh, it's turned into an arms race, and, and not just for uh, facilities and coaches, but also for postgrads, you know, coming in and training and uh, uh, yeah. representing the, the local clubs. And, and that's been good, I mean, because, uh, you know, I, I, I know of, uh, you know, Mark Ironside he even told me, you know, coming out of college, he's a Hodge winner. And, uh, you know, he's, I, I think he was working at like UPS from like midnight uh-huh. until eight in the morning, you know, to, to be able to pay to, to train, you know, to yeah. be able to train full time and working a midnight to eight shift or something like that. And then going and showing up at practices and then going to another practice later in the day. But, uh, uh, you know, if, if he had been, uh, if, if a guy like Mark Ironside had come along with his credentials now, there's there's no way he'd have to work, you know, that's right. In, yeah. you know, forty hours, thirty forty hours a week just to to get by to be able to pay his bills and and pay his rent. So uh, uh, the sport has come a long way from that standpoint. I, I think from a business end, the you know, um, seeing outside uh, non wrestling companies come into the the fold, uh, you know, Milwaukee Tools, for instance. You know, sure. list four or five others, but uh, uh, wrestling has done a really good job um, of landing some some unique sponsorships uh, for for post grads here to be able to train and and focus just solely on their their competitive careers, and you know that's been great to see. Yeah, well, it, everything is right there, and the, and the specific thing of what happens with this is going to have gigantic ripples and. You know, we immediately think he could, you know, he might go to Iowa. He, he, if he graduated, um, he could go anywhere he wants. I mean, that's yeah. the whole thing, right? You know, so, I mean, yeah. so, yeah, it's uh, just, if he dropped in the right spot, it changes, you know, the team dynamic dramatically. I mean, if if you placed him on, you know, Ohio State's lineup as an example, the team's scores are gigantically different. So, I mean, really anybody's, anybody's, you know, with the exception of probably like, you know, Penn State and Michigan, you know, and, you know, a few other schools that have really high returning medalists there, huge, huge ripple. So, we'll, you know, we'll see what happens. It'll, yeah, it'll, be, fun, yeah, it'll it, be fun to see. It's early. It's certainly early. And I, and I think, uh, you know, is is. Interesting as that is, I think, you know, you start looking at, at potential club guys that, that could follow Mark uh, to, to Iowa City and train with, uh, train under his watch there. Um, that's that's going to be fascinating to see. I, I would guess that a guy like Delgado is going to wind up there. But, uh, you know, we'll, we'll see. Um, 
you know, the other the other part of the the equation too is is what does this do to Illinois? What what are your thoughts on that? I mean, you know, it's a program we've talked about that that's uh, in the the roster in some aspects has gotten a little long in the tooth here when you you look at their proven commodities with uh uh you know with Isaiah now entering his, his senior season and and uh, Zane Richard Zach Brunson graduating uh you know it it's not the uh it's not the Illinois that that uh we saw here two or three years ago where they were they really seemed to be on an upward trajectory and in, in you know a young roster with um, top recruits on the way, um, you know, and, and as I mentioned, they they had some club guys in there that were faring pretty well on on the national and international level, and and now uh, uh, this is really a blow to them, and, and it'll be interesting to see how Illinois responds to this and and who they wind up uh, hiring to take Mark Perry's place. Yeah, I've always thought Illinois, and I don't mean the wrestling team. I've always thought that school that there's something weird going on there because they don't get a lot of the top recruits out of Chicago in, in really like the big revenue sports. Like you don't see the best football players out of Chicago staying in Illinois and going to Illinois. And you don't see the, the same thing with basketball players and you don't see it with wrestling. So I don't know if the university of Illinois has a, I don't know, a marketing problem to to Chicago, but there's definitely a disconnect because, you know, I mean, you know, like I live here in Missouri and kids in St. Louis want to go to Mizzou. And, you know, you live in Iowa and those kids all usually want to go to one of those three schools, you know, so there's, yeah. something, yep. there's something that's different in the water up there. Well, you so, know. Northwestern in their marketing, uh, athletic director or athletic department marketing has has um, advertised all over Chicago that Northwestern is is uh, Chicago's Big Ten team, which which is pretty interesting. But uh, uh, you know, I know there's a huge faction of of Iowa graduates in Chicago, and and I imagine that that Notre Dame and Michigan and Michigan State and and you can you know Wisconsin and. So it feels like Illinois really can't plant the flag in Chicago because there are so many graduates uh, from so many other Big Ten and Midwest universities there that, uh, uh, you know, it's not like, as you mentioned, in St. Louis or, or uh, Kansas City. You know, I guess Kansas City, you got Kansas, Kansas State, and, and uh, yeah. Missouri kind of all battling there for, for, uh, uh, for that kids. turf. Yeah. But, you know, but uh, – uh, typically, I mean, you know, you've got the, the biggest state or biggest city in that state that, that one school, one in-state school can really plant the flag and, and, and dominate that market. But uh, you're right. You know, that's a point I, I hadn't thought of in, in connection to wrestling, but uh, I'm sure there are some, some uh, trickle-down effects problem. from that. There's yep. a problem there. I don't know what it is, and I don't think it has anything to do with any one coach in any one sport, but it's systemic. You just can't look at that. And, you know, you look at the top 25 recruits in any of those three sports, and I mean, there's obviously more sports, but those are the ones that we probably follow closely with wrestling and casual sports and the other two. And their thought isn't, well, yeah, I'm going to go to Illinois unless I get a better offer. 
And, you know, like I said, you know, Brian Smith's done a great job here of, I'm going to go to Mizzou as long as I get a good offer. And, you know, you don't see very many good kids leave Iowa. They end up in one of those three schools. You know, you don't see, you know, a lot of good Pennsylvania kids leaving Pennsylvania. There's obviously a million schools of wrestle up there. But, I mean, it's just Illinois has been a place that other schools have been able to go in and get premier recruits. With It doesn't seem like without a, without a big fight. I mean, think about how good the University of Illinois would be if they kept, like, the Dardanes and John Morrison and, you know, Jacob Warner and, you know, some of these guys Marsden. have already wrestled some of Mars. Yeah, I mean, yeah, like Oklahoma State had, you know, Brian two or Murphy. three guys. Who won- yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, you just keep going, right? So, I mean, and they have, they always went Fargo, right? I mean, you know, so yep. it's not like, you know, this is lucky. So, yep. Well, here's an inter- here's something that's interesting too. To to, to that point, uh, just just looking at at you know, and, and we're a little off topic here. We're talking Illinois football recruiting, but but looking at Illinois football recruiting class for the for the 2017 class, high school football, of uh-huh. of the top uh, 11 players out of the state of Illinois last year, only one of them picked Illinois, and you've got uh, Iowa, Miami, Florida, Notre Dame, Notre Dame, Michigan State. Uh, Duke, Michigan State, Miami of Ohio, Wisconsin, and Arkansas coming in there and grabbing, grabbing players. And, and you know, you're right. Illinois is at a hard time me look as smart. an athletic department. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I mean, that's, that's, down, you know, that's the, flag the point, though, team. right? Yeah. That's the point. Yep. That, like, yep. of the top 11, like, if you look at the top 11 kids out of Missouri, I guarantee you at least three or four went to Mizzou in football, and, and they're not even – good in football you know if you look at the top 25 kids in florida in football i would venture to say you know 20 of them went to florida florida state miami you know and every sport's different i'm just telling you that there's there's you know and i don't we don't need to talk about illinois for an hour but i'm just saying there's a problem there and it's something that's beyond jim heffernan and mark perry it's it's bigger it's uh institutional and you know i yeah so Anyway, that's my thoughts on it. So I'm happy for Mark, um, and I hope all the guys that want to end up with Mark end up with Mark, and I hope those guys do great things. Well, we're on the coaching front. We might as well stay on the coaching front. Uh, Alex Tirapelli, as we mentioned, out at Penn. Uh, Nick Heflin uh, is joining the staff at Oklahoma. Chris McCarty, Daryl Thomas, the Old Dominion. Uh, what are your takeaways on, on any or all of the above on that? Uh Nick Heflin, the OU, you know, they they got a big guy in there who wrestled great at the U.S. Open, you know, was part of that Princeton wrestling club, you know, has been in the national finals, was in a great program like Ohio State, obviously had a relationship with Vercelli, so that, that made a lot of sense. Um, McCarty and Daryl Thomas, the Old Dominion, um, you know, Hutter took a job in the business sector. Uh, I'm actually friends with Daryl. Daryl did a really good job at Lincoln this year, uh, junior college. They took fourth. And he had a really good recruiting class coming in, so we'll see what happens there, who they hire, if any of those kids stay or go or all that kind of stuff. Um, But Daryl likes to recruit, and Daryl's young, and he likes to wrestle. And uh, obviously, McCarty's even younger than him. And you got to be a high-energy guy to work with Steve Martin because that guy, him and – and Mike Dixon, they 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 worked their 
their fannies off. You know, they, they, they are at it every day. So, you know, that's, you know, I think those will be good, good results for those guys. The Tirapelli thing really kind of sticks in my craw the wrong way. I mean, I talk to people I trust, and from everything I've heard, he met all of his metrics. He met everything that the measurables, whatever kind of term you want to use, expectations, whatever you want to call it, he met them, and then he got fired. And it feels like that there was a lot of political stuff going on behind the scenes. I think I can probably tell you now who's going to probably be the next head coach, and and it's going to be really it's going to feel to me like it was political and, you know, this guy left the job and moved his family and everything else. And, you know, got three years and, you know, you can say that, you know, they didn't win nationals this year, whatever you want to say, but it's awfully hard to win at a school where the academic standards are super hard. I mean, I, I was recruited at Penn. I took a recruiting trip there. I had a 30 on my ACT and a 1300 on my SAT and was ranked sixth in my class with over a 4.0. And their exact quote was, we think we can probably get you in. You know, every place else was, here's how much scholarship money you're going to get academically alone. I mean, it's, you, can't, you can't win at a place like that, a national title, because it's just the, the pool of applicants is so much smaller. So, you know, those kids kind of no trouble. You know, they're good citizens. You know, I just don't think he got a fair shake. And, you know, I don't know enough to say that, I guess, but from what I'm seeing, I just don't think he got a fair shake. And I, I just feel bad for him. I, it, it's not identical, but it feels like what happened to Mike Mendoza. You know, just these guys were not, they were not told the truth because if somebody had said, you know, you're going to meet all your metrics and then we're going to fire you. Like, yeah, I think I'll just stay where I'm at, you know? So I don't know what bothers me, you know, and I, you know, Cherapelli's, a stud coach and a stud recruiter, and you know I'm sure he'll land on his feet. I just it just bothers me how that went down. So, and and two what two recruiting classes that he got, he, right? You know, he got a chance to recruit two classes. I mean that's well, I, I don't know of of too many situations where you know as long as you're you know there's not a scandal as long as you're not breaking any NCAA rules and your kids aren't getting in trouble. I mean who who gets right. two years? Now, that's three why three years that. is what he got, but but. Uh, that's- Right. Agreed. That's why I qualified that with like nobody was in trouble, you know. You know, it it just bothers me, you know. And again, you know, God forbid, maybe he did something awful and they're not telling him about it. But I mean, from what I was told, they were going to fire him and they gave him the choice to resign. And I just don't think that's wrong. So I don't know. I like to be happy on this show, but it bothers me. So I said my piece and I'll leave it alone. Well, beat the streets this week. And as I mentioned, last chance qualifier, Northern Plains and uh, Central Regionals uh, going on as well. David, what do you got your eye on at any or all of the above there? Well, both, right? I mean, beat the streets is a really cool event. I mean, I, I kind of kind of drew inspiration for Missouri Border Brawl from beat the streets about picking a, a unique environment to wrestle and clearly, you know, wrestling in a hotel isn't the same as wrestling in Times Square and that they just do an amazing <laughs> job, you know, but I mean, it's different than a gymnasium. Right. And, you know, yeah. you know, somebody thought of that idea before me, but it was, you know, gave us a chance to try to do something different. Um, yeah. So, and I, and I, I'm really probably more excited about this stuff 
you know, because of going to the U.S. Open and, you know, like literally just got off the phone with Rich Bender like five hours ago. Um, and I just, you know, I think it's going to be, they, they're, they've done it before. So when you've done it before, the logistics of how it's going to work out is pretty impressive, you know, and the, the roster, the lineups they put together are, are really good. As far as last chance qualifier goes, I, again, I think you watch guys wrestle from desperation, you know, cause it's a big deal to them. You're going to probably see the fur really fly. I mean, Joey Laser is a buddy of mine because he wrestled in our event. I saw him in Vegas, and he was jazzed about going to the qualifier. And there's some really good guys that will go to that qualifier, like the guys that took eight at the open or were in the round of 12 that are going to go to try to make it. And, you know, if they get in, they can do some damage. So it'll be, you know, I don't, I don't know that I have, like, one particular match or matchup, but I'm going to really be interested in the results, that's for sure. Yeah, Absolutely. I'm eager to see who shows up and, and who moves on out of that. Uh, and uh, speaking of moving on, I mean, one guy that's already uh, in the trials, we mentioned uh, him at the beginning, Pat Downey. Always stuff to talk about with Pat Downey. <laughs> Always stuff to talk about with Pat Downey. Whatever verb you, or adjective with Pat Downey, boring is not one of them, right? <laughs> exactly. And same with his wrestling style. Yeah, he's a goer. For sure. Here's Pat, Pat Downey always gives you something to watch, whether it's his Twitter uh, account or uh, his his skills on the mat. So yeah, yeah. So I, I messaged you. I don't even remember what day it was now, but um, I saw it on Facebook, which I guess is tied to Twitter or Instagram or whatever, that uh, that he had received his permission. Uh, or that Rutgers had received permission to contact him. And he actually literally posted the letter from Iowa State. So and that letter, you know, yeah. And, and to interrupt you real quick, that letter was actually from uh, early March, if I'm not mistaken, like March 6th or something. So yeah, probably right, right after he was released, right? Yep. So yep, or dismissed or whatever the right term is. So, yep. um, you know, you and I spoke off air. It wouldn't shock either one of us if he made the national finals in the NCAs in at 184 or 197. But how many guys can you say that about? I mean, that's I it's know. crazy, Four, right? Yep. Yeah, yeah. It's like in yeah. any two weight classes. I mean, I think you could say that about Tomasello. You know, you know, if he made the finals at 25 yep. or 33. You know, there's some guys, right? But it's a short list. And it's a yep. really short list when you think about guys that haven't already won it, you know, or at least been in the finals a couple times. Yeah. So, you know, he's a high-risk, high-reward guy. I mean, I, you know, people can Google, you know, his history, and it's it's checkered, but he's a guy that, you know, he's fun to watch wrestle. When he wants to wrestle hard, he's really scary. And, uh, you know, it'll be interesting to see if, if, if somebody finds the right fit. Because it's, he's the uh, ultimate wild card. Yeah, yeah, for sure. For he's, sure. He's kind of like, uh, you know, Major League Baseball, these guys that uh, have 100-mile-per-hour fastballs. You know, everybody thinks that they can teach them other stuff. Everybody thinks that they can they can um, teach them the one thing to, to get their command um, up to top level, and then you've got a, you've got an all-star pitcher. Um, but uh, that, that's the thing with him. Can, can he – uh, get all of the peripheral stuff 
can he walk the straight and narrow? Can he, he stay focused? Can he, um, you know, do all the things that coaches are going to ask him to do? That's, that's the question with him because talent's certainly not the question. And he had a great run to the tournament last year, you know, or, or whatever you want to say, 2016, and had a weight that clearly he wasn't cutting any weight for. You know, so, I mean, at the end of the day, anybody who's ever coached in college, if they're honest, they will admit what I'm about to say, and if they won't admit it, they're lying. You take, you measure risk every day, like, well, I'll take this kid on because, you know, I think the value on the other end is worth it. And I mean, and sometimes that's a slippery slope, and, and sometimes that, that bogey moves. But I used to tell my guys when they were at Merrimack, I'm like, you know, you know, our goal wasn't just to help them win, but to go help them move on. And I'm like, the more trouble you cause, the bigger pain you are, the more you better win, because that's the only reason anybody's going to take a chance on you. If you don't win, I mean, it's the truth. People, it's, it's real talk. People want to, you know, that's the truth. So, you know, he's proven he can score a lot of points, and he, he certainly um, had a, a great U.S. Open. And, you know, he's he's going to be in the thick of things at the trials, I mean, for sure. So, uh, I mean, that's an interesting – that weight's super interesting because it feels like it's David Taylor, you know, set to meet Jaden Cox, but there's a lot of studs in there. You know, we have guys like Nickel and Dean and, you know, Crutchmer and Downey and Heflin and Perry and, you know, Austin Trotman and Josh Asper. And, I mean, that – that's a lot of tough dudes in one way, you know? So absolutely. You know, and if Downey won the bracket and wrestled Cox, I don't think we'd be shocked. I think we'd be surprised, you know, but not shocked. He's that good. So yep. when you get it, when you have a chance to get that, a guy that good. And especially when it's sort of a one year rental, it just kind of depends on, you know, how much crap you want to put up with for that. And, you know, who sets what rules and what rules will he agree to sign up to? But he's probably going to end up somewhere. Someone's going to take that chance. And, and depending on that program, I probably wouldn't blame him. You know, he can be a difference maker for somebody. And, and you know, a lot of recruiting is, you know, one of my, one of my friends said, you want to be able to recruit, you got to be suited up on Saturday night. You know, you got to be wearing a suit in the finals on Saturday night. That's what, you know, that's what kids are watching. That's what kids want to be. He's a guy that could, you know, he could make, he could make it you're needed to wear a suit on Saturday night. So it'll be interesting to see what happens. Well, we started a week ago uh, going down some of the rankings for, you know, the, the way too early rankings or, or postseason rankings, preseason rankings, whatever season you want to call it. That we're sure. in right now, silly, silly season. Um, <laughs> you want to want to hop on with uh, forty-one and forty-nine, David? Yeah, we'll walk through them. We want to. Yeah, so forty-one, you've got the All-Americans that are back: are Dean Heil, Kevin Jack, Bryce Meredith, Jaden Ironman, Anthony Ashnault, Matt Kalasdick, Tommy Thorne, and then McKenna, who was an All-American the year before. Then round of 12 guys, you've got Colton McChrystal and Tyler Smith. Round of 16 guys, Luke Pletcher, Jared Prince, Jack Hathaway. You know, obviously Pletcher may go down to 33, but if you plug Keyshawn Hayes in there, kind of feels like he would have probably done that well this year. 
Uh, round of 24, guys, there's a bunch of them. Ronnie Perry, Brock Sacro, Mike Longo, Ryan Deal, Noah Fourrider, Mason Smith. Round of 32, guys. And at the top of that list, I have Javier Gasca, who really wrestled well at the Big Tens and just was injured at the NCAAs or, you know, can't imagine he would have, you know, gone two and out. Cole Martin, Sal Profacci, Colt Schilling, Russell Rolfing. Um, and then you have guys like Nick Zanetta, who didn't qualify, was fourth in the ACC. And then a ton of guys in red shirt that are good, like Kanan Store from Iowa State, Chad Red, Nebraska, Luke Karam, Lehigh, Carter Happel and Vince Turk from Iowa, uh, Keyshawn Hayes, Ohio State. I have to mention these guys, although they'll probably not start. Bulu Wallen and Tristan Moran from Oklahoma State, um, AC Headley, North Carolina. I mean, that, you know, I've, that's insane. That's, that's 30 guys. That's 30. That yeah. might, like, that could be the. It won't be the bracket because we've double dipped at a couple schools like Nebraska, Iowa, and Oklahoma State. But the depth that way, and I think it really lends credence to how maybe underrated Dean Heil is. So, who jumps out at you when you when you hear those names and kind of where everybody's ranked? Twenty-five of them. <laughs> I mean, it's it's staggering. It, it is staggering yeah. how deep this weight class is going to be next year. And and you look at it, and you've got them all highlighted here: one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, eight guys that have have already been all Americans. Yeah. Um. And and that's not even, you know, taking into consideration like like the young the young bucks that are coming in. Kane and Store won a lot of matches this year. Dave Schultz um, finalist, right? Yeah, I mean, seconds away from winning the Dave Schultz, and and Chad, Chad Red seconds seconds away from being. In the Midlands Finals, one one you know mental lapse at the end of the match away from being in the Midlands Finals, and and, and probably losing his red shirt, probably losing his red shirt possibly. if that happens. Very yeah. possibly, yeah, very possibly, yeah. and and uh, so um, and then as you mentioned the 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 uh, Llewellyn Moran Heil situation, it, it sort of feels like back in the day when. Uh, you know, the early years of the Brands era at Iowa where yeah. know, 33, you had Slayton, Dennis, Montel, Marion. And, and you know, one year there at 41, they had um, Slayton, um, LeClaire, Montel, Marion. Yeah. I mean, they were, they were, they had three guys that uh, uh, you thought could, could contend for a couple of them that, that could contend for national ti- titles and, um you know, another one that, that was a the, the third stringer was a significant All America c- candidate. So um, certainly Oklahoma State's got a great thing going on at forty one, right? Um, and and then then even for that matter, look at, at at the depth that they have at the first two weight classes as well, right? With, with Fix Fix Join and Brock and and uh, Piccinini. So yeah, uh, incredible environment uh, for for little guys to train in down there in Stillwater. Um, but, but yeah, this, this to me, is going to be, uh, this, this to me, this weight class is going to be bonkers the entire season next year. We're, we're going to have, we're going to have three, we're going to have three matches every weekend that, that we're talking about <laughs> on this, this podcast. But I'm not, I never did, but I'm not going to go through talking that right now. So you can quote me, you know. March day sixteenth, six fifty PM. But yeah. So anyway, yeah, the weight's super deep, so it's really interesting. 
So, and then the next way we go to 49 and you got, again, eight guys that all Americans, you got Zane Rutherford, Brandon Sorensen, Micah Jordan, Max Thompson, Solomon Chisco, Jason Sertis, depending on if he goes 49 or 57, Alec Pantaleo and Gio Martinez. And then round of 12 guys, Justin Oliver, who I think placed the year before seventh, if yep. I remember correctly, yep. there's nine all Americans, excuse me, Steve Lee, Andrew Crone, round of 16 guys. Baby J. Bannister, Matt, Matt Sovostowski, and then the 24 guys, a guy like Pat Lugo, who beat Sorensen. You know, Gargo from uh, George Mason, Troy Heilman, Joey Delgado, Coleman Hammond, and then you're around the 32 guys, guys like Davion Jeffries, Zach Hall, Eric Baroni, Hunter Ladner, Sam Krivis, you know, Josh Maruka, Kyle Shoup. And then you got guys coming off red shirt, like, you know, probably the highlights are guys like Xander Wick and Freddie Stroker, and Kennedy Monday, those are, I mean, you know, you and I kind of lay out what we're going to talk about, and I'm always the one looking at the rankings. This is another bonkers deep weight. I mean, nine all nine guys that are all American. It's, yeah. it's crazy, yep. right? Yep, yep. And, uh, and nobody, and nobody be... thinks they're going to be Zane. No one thinks they're going to be Zane. That's what's insane about it. Yeah, yeah, Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, the guy that uh, l- looking at this list, and, and you mentioned his name, Ryan Deacon, and, and we, we saw him out in Vegas have a, a spectacular run out there to the title at the UWW Junior Tournament. And um guy that, that uh, I didn't know a whole lot about until the Midlands. And then, then right. I look up, and all of a sudden, like, like he's in the third-place match of the Midlands. I'm like, and, and looking at who he ran through to, to get there, it was pretty impressive. I'm like, I started wondering, like, you know, where where did this kid come from? And and uh, followed it up from that point. And, and uh, Northwestern looks like they they found uh, a diamond in the rough there. I mean, I know no, he had some credentials coming out of Colorado, state champion out there, but uh, uh, not a guy that was on a ton of radars probably until uh, probably until December thirtieth. But uh, right. Uh, so 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 that'll be interesting to see how how he fares. I think that that's. Um, you know, a guy that Northwestern can build around. Uh, you mentioned Stroker. I think I suspect we'll see him at 157. 57, yeah. Yeah, but, uh, uh, you know, to your point, though, I mean, a- another weight that's really deep, and, and uh, uh, certainly it's, it'll be interesting to see if anybody has anything for, for Rutherford this year or, or if uh, uh, he can mow through. Uh, next season, the way he did the postseason this year, where it was pin and tack, pin and tack, pin and tack. So, yeah. Well, what's interesting to me, and then you know, I'll stop talking about this. You have a guy like Lugo, who right now I think I have at 14th, and I mean these are just you know, like we said, really, really way too early rankings. And we talked all year about guys with sort of how high is their ceiling and how low is their basement. You know, his, his basement, I think, is around a 24, which is where he ended up. But his ceiling is super high because he beat Brandon Sorensen. And he didn't get lucky in that match. He got, you know, three out of four takedowns. So, yeah. and, and, and Sorensen came back and tied it up late. And usually you see in that situation, you see the guy that gave up the, the takedown late kind of melt down in overtime. And he did the opposite. He went out and got a takedown. So I think it's going to be really interesting. You know, a guy like that, you, you look at who could he beat, and he could beat a bunch of guys, and you're like, 
you know, but the it's just that weight is so ridiculously deep. It's just, it's just hard to even comprehend. Well, that does it uh, for everything that's on my list this week, David. You got anything <laughs> else you want to hit? No, sir. No, sir. Next week will be fun to talk about this again. They'll probably make three coaching changes, and, and Downey will post a few more things for us to talk about. Absolutely. The way it's been, right? <laughs> for sure, for sure. So that's it for me this well, week, boss. Well, that's it for us. That's it for okay. episode 38 of Weighing In with Andy Hamilton. Andy Hamilton signing off for David Mercatani. Thank you uh, for listening this week. Check back to Track Wrestling. Got coverage of uh, Mark Perry to Iowa, the exclusive interview with him, excerpts of uh, uh, that interview as well, posted on top of the story uh, that ran Monday on Track Wrestling. We'll have coverage of the Northern Plains and Central Regionals this weekend. Lots of uh, top high school talents going to be at those tournaments. Check those out as well. And thank you for listening. This show is part of the Matt Talk Podcast Network. For more wrestling podcasts, head over to matttalkonline.com.